Welcome to the first episode of Arguing With Myself. My name's Caitlin, and I'm starting this project so I can share the process of exploring what I think about politics. I'm very open-minded about ideas, about wanting to find the truth, and as such, I found it difficult to vote. Always seeing the pros and cons of ideas and finding practically anyone politically relatable, I've struggled with trying to dig deeper and understand the realities of policies. During the months before Trump's election, I began to try to spend time delving into the ideas that have been increasingly polarizing our society. In my relationships and in my researching, it's been my experience that I am more capable than average of relating to a person's political outlook, of seeing through their lens. And while this ability seems to help me to be able to see beauty in the world, it doesn't help me vote. I can, however, be argumentative about politics, and I often find myself feeling conservative around liberals and vice versa whenever I hear language that screams for me to play the devil's advocate. I enjoy thought experiments, but at this point, I think it's time for them to lead to something tangible. I've realized that I have a fear of being wrong when it comes to politics and paralysis of analysis. But through this project, I'm going to try to explore ideas and change when I see that I've been wrong. I'm going to remind myself that it's okay for people to be wrong, including me. And it's not not as though I don't have any opinions. Some flavors of libertarian ideas seem to resonate with me, and I'm trying to be aware that this project may become a simple exercise of confirmation bias if I don't make an effort to challenge myself. I hope this podcast helps me to express my compassion towards people, regardless of how they vote, and I want to remember that neutrality in that form is a strength. But I also hope this project helps me to find a way to further separate people from ideas and allow myself to agree or disagree more profoundly based on my exploration into consequences of political decisions. For this episode, I'd like to share with you what I wrote several months ago, an argument between my libertarian self and my anarchist self. Don't let this make you think that I also don't have a liberal self. I do. I just have to start somewhere. I knew even less at that time about either philosophy than I do now, which still isn't much. I came to my defense about that, though when the thought crossed my mind that people study these topics for years and still don't agree with each other. I may still be in the shallow end of the pool, but at least I'm trying. So, here we go. An argument between my libertarian self and my anarchist self. If taxation is theft, why aren't all laws considered theft? Because all laws aren't taking something from you, unlike taxes. Yes, but the law is still a majority rule on morality. It's a group deciding what morality is. No, the law is when the group, or actually the majority of it, decides what they want their rights to be, what they want to be free from. Yes, but rights for one mean responsibility or restriction for the other. Right. 
So a law is an agreement that because I want to be free from something, I will also let you be free from it. Yes, but I don't think that you should have a if I don't think that you should have a particular right, then that law takes from me my right to not allow you to, or if I don't think that I should have a certain right, then that law takes from you the right to not allow me to. Yes, but the rights our society has are more like stealing from you the right to steal. So it's not really taking anything from you. It's just keeping you from taking from others and keeping others from taking from you. So just because taxation is theft doesn't mean that all laws are theft. Okay, but it means that the system of law, the system of majority rule, is capable of making laws that are theft. Yes, it relies on the individual to create a culture in which we don't have unjust laws. But being free from the law would also rely on individuals, of course, to make just decisions. So whether we live by majority rule or by lawlessness, the individual creates justice. Yes, but the law steals the individual's ability to choose because they must live by the majority's decision. Yes, but when we restrict ourselves with the law, we also give ourselves rights. We agree that because I want this right, you get it too. But the law is stealing from me the ability to choose what I want, and what if I don't want that right, or I don't want the responsibility of allowing you that right? The law ideally would only keep others from doing things without your permission. So if you just give permission, then the law won't restrict your right to not have your right. Okay, but it's a big risk living in a culture of majority rule, and what if the majority makes a law in which that isn't true? Well, it's also a big risk living in lawlessness. Anarchism isn't lawlessness, it's just allowing people to live by their own laws. Yes, but only towards the other, not towards themselves, meaning they live by their own morality of responsibility, but can't have that reflected back to them because there are no rights. They can have their morality reflected back to them. It's just not forced. It could be forced, though. Yes, but the law wouldn't have a monopoly on forced morality. Right, but there wouldn't be any rights to enforce. No, but there wouldn't be potentially unjust laws being enforced by a majority. No, but there would be potential injustice being enforced by a minority. Yes, but there would be freedom of responsibility rather than freedom in rights. How is that better? Because it is freedom to do what you want and keeps you from telling others what to do. Yeah, but the law doesn't exist to restrict what you do, it exists to keep others from restricting you and you from restricting others.
Yes, but again, the majority could decide on a law that does restrict me. Yes, but we can talk, persuade, and negotiate what a good law is. Yes, but even unjust laws are enforced with violence, while without the state, there is nothing to violently enforce. Yeah, but without majority rule, might is right, and it is only the mightiest to enforce whatever they want. Yes, but the majority can still be strong enough to rise against an unjust might. Yes, but how is that better than a culture of majority rule? Because without the law, we can opt out of the majority's laws. Not necessarily without consequences, and although there are consequences to not following the law as we have it, our society's majority has agreed to uphold some rights for those accused of such. Yeah, but without the law, you could have private laws on a smaller scale in which everyone agrees to the so-called law, and you can leave it if you don't agree. Sure, that's why we have laws at different levels, so that people can live within the law that they see as the best fit for them, and with or without the law, there is no guarantee that you will find some place where you completely agree with the law, which makes compromise in the form of majority rule the next best effort. Yeah, but the minorities of thought may be right. That still would be true in anarchism, as sharing the earth with others will require some compromise. Yes, but without the law, people are more free to negotiate with others on a small scale and more free to opt out of unjust laws. I think it comes down to either majority rule with all its potential flaws or might is right with all its potential flaws and the ability to opt out of anything within anarchism comes with the same risks of violence and whatever else associated with not upholding the law within the state. Well, it seems to me that freedom of responsibility or freedom to do is more important than freedom of rights or the freedom to have or not have. I think it seems that they are equally important and that we have to work together to try to compromise on just laws which value both freedom of rights and freedom of responsibility. Okay, but by definition, a law never values freedom of responsibility as it only restricts it. No, some laws restrict restriction. Yes, but to restrict restriction is still to restrict. Yes, but under that definition, lack of restriction is also restriction, and nation-states exist as agreements within the anarchy that is life, as the default of what happens when humans have to compromise on how they want to live. Yes, but the law grants itself a monopoly in the form of not only violence, but also the justice system, while businesses aren't allowed to have a monopoly. 
The law doesn't grant itself. The majority grants it by agreeing to it. And that's where the argument left off, as I didn't know where to go next. In researching further about these ideas, I came across YouTuber Steve Patterson. He has a podcast too that I listen to a little bit, and I seem to like him, but I don't always follow. For example, he says of minimum wage that it's coercion, and that employers and employees should compromise on a rate of pay. Fair enough, but I'm not sure if I understand how an employee is able to fully negotiate when they need a job. Sure, they can probably find something else, and sure, there are studies that say that minimum wage hurts employees. I'm not disagreeing with either of those things. I'm just saying that theoretically, I don't know that employees have the negotiating power that he states as an ideal. I also came across YouTuber Stephen Molyneux. He says that the free market is not a so-called dog-eat-dog world because people agree to transactions. For example, if you have a pen, I have $5. I want the pen more than I want my five, more than I want my $5. Well, you want $5 more than you want the pen. We exchange and that it's a win-win. It isn't the same as a lion chasing a gazelle, he says. And that's understandable, but what I don't seem to understand is that if we need something like food or water, the owner of what we need can charge whatever we can afford and we still have to pay it in order to survive. I think you can make the argument that that is still, in this context, a win-win, because I want to live more than I want to die, but it seems like that is on a different scale of measurement because I have to go along with your transaction and you are only limited by what I'm able to pay. So far, it seems like my hang-up with the idea of less government is the idea that we are required to interact with businesses and employers in a way that is necessary for us to survive within the law. It seems like we can say that it is voluntary in the sense that I choose to have a job rather than to live with the consequences of not. But if we were to use the word voluntary under that definition, would my requirement to pay taxes also be considered voluntary? We don't see a job as a right, for example, and understandably so. But at the same time, I can't survive without a job, at least in some sense, without breaking the law. If there weren't any restrictions on how a person survives, then it seems to me that there wouldn't be any responsibility to provide any safety net. But if we are going to impose laws on people to have to abide by while they are trying to survive, I'm not sure that it is fair to not have a public safety net available at some level to someone who needs it. I know vaguely that there is research discussing the ill effects the unintended consequences of trying to do good in this way, and I'm not trying to go into that here. I'm just saying that, theoretically, I don't know that I have a handle on what I consider voluntary. Something else I've learned is that there are some people who believe taxes should be voluntary, but 
they aren't anarchists. So what if you could opt out of rights regardless of paying your taxes? But then you would be able to use public benefits without contributing to it. Is that experiment worth the risk? I don't know. Is being governed by majority rule, democratically, worth the risk? I still haven't answered that question. In wrapping up this first episode, I still have more questions than answers, but I'm hopeful. I have in the past been torn by thinking that there is an overall political philosophy that is inherently right, while at the same time having compassion for people's ideas across the political spectrum. Going forward, I think I want to approach politics with the idea that although ideas have pros and cons, that at the end of the day, I have to vote. And although I can still agree with someone about their point of view, it may be that I vote differently than they do because I'm measuring some value differently, and that's okay. And I'm going to keep working to get to a place where I can make a political decision and be at peace with it until proven otherwise. Thank you for listening. To close this first episode, I'm going to leave you with a song I wrote about not giving in to political polarization. <laughs>